The reading is taken from the book of Joel, chapter 2, we're reading verses 12 to 17. Even now, declared the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with forcing and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare the holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple, between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 51, verses 1 to 17. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out our transgressions. Wash away all our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For we know our transgressions and our sin is always before us. Against you, you only, have we sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely we were sinful at birth, sinful from the time our mothers conceived us. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach us wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse us with hyssop, and we will be clean. Wash us, and we will be whiter than snow. Let us hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from our sins and blot out our iniquity. Create in us pure hearts, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save us from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves us, and our tongues will sing your righteousness. 
O Lord, open our lips and our mouths will declare your praise. You don't delight in sacrifice or we would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. At St. John's, our Lent series is um, all about the father heart of God for his sons and daughters. And we've got a daily devotion that goes up on the front page of our website each day, if you want to see it. And it goes out in our WhatsApp group, um, which different members of our prayer group here at St. John's have written and um, contributed to. And each of them is on a single verse, a different verse from the book of John's Gospel. Um, And as each person has meditated on it, they're saying, God, what are you teaching us about how you relate to us as a father and who you are as a father? How do you want to restore our image of you as a father? And how do you want to restore our image um, of ourselves as your sons and daughters? Which ties in closely with families. And um, we'll be following that theme on Sundays, but also in our cell groups. So if you're part of St. John's, join one of those cell groups if you don't want to miss out. If you're part of another church, join a group and get involved. I think that's where the best stuff of church can happen, in our small groups, when we talk with each other, listen to each other, pray for one another and with each other. Um, And so, as we go into this series... We're just going to look, we've, we've already heard the reading from Joel for, for Ash Wednesday, and we're going to look at the other readings, and Psalm 51, and there's two other readings, which we've divided into three, which are the Ash Wednesday readings from the lectionary, um, and we're going to take them one by one. So Sharon's going to come up now, please, and read to us from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5 and 6, and I'm going to ask our readers, firstly, to project so that everyone can hear in the back. If you can't hear, just shout. We'll lift up our voices. Can you hear me? Good. Um, And secondly, I'm going to ask them not to rush the reading, because the best part of this sermon is going to be Scripture. I want us to really meditate on Scripture, and after each reading, we'll have a short silence, and then I'll just share a thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 17 and going through to chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, At the time of my favor I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. 
Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Hear the word of the Lord. At the very start of that passage, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ. And it got me thinking, where is Jesus? Where is Christ? In John chapter 1 verse 18, it says that um, Jesus Christ, the Son, is always by the Father's side which is a pretty poor translation in our NIV. You go back um, to the Greek word. It's this word um, kolpos, which is translated by the King James, and we think more truly as bosom. Christ is, you may remember this old verse, is always at the Father's bosom, or by the Father's bosom, which is a maternal picture more than a paternal picture picture of succor and comfort and warmth. In Christ means to be in all that he is surrounded by. And it's a phrase that Paul often uses, Christ in me, the hope of glory, but I in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, what does that look like? And one picture certainly is that I, if I'm in Christ and Christ is at the bosom of the Father, then I am at the bosom of the Father. Can you please come to the phone? Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for coming and helping us. Thanks, Natasha. Um, Would you mind sitting there, Natasha? And Daniel, would you mind sitting on your mum's lap? And just cuddling up with your mum. Snuggle up close. Put your head into her. Get in there. Okay? Kolpos was a word interpreted bosom, or translated bosom, which didn't just mean the breast or the chest. It meant the lap, firstly. It meant the chest or breast. It meant the shoulder and even the neck. Daniel, at the moment, is touching all of those. He's cuddled up with mum. And it's a wonderful picture because, remember, we are made in God's image, male and female. He created them. Everything that is mother, everything that is father, is contained in God, in his goodness for us. So here's a picture of where Christ is perpetually in the Father. So... Thank you. Um, Wait, don't leave. Daniel, you are representing Jesus. And Natasha, you are representing our Father God. And while Christ is at work in our lives through the Holy Spirit, He's not a separate person. He's one with this union. If you like, He's hovering over them. Like, Leroy should probably be here, holding on to this family. And um, so when I am in Christ... Where does that put me? At the bosom of the Father. Thank you so much.
It's the closest possible intimacy. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He didn't say I'm the destination or the final point. He said, I'm the way. The destination is my Father. I want you to come to the Father through me, by being in me. If you know me, you know my Father. What kind of Father is this? Well, the passage goes on to say he's the kind who, when you're in Christ and you're at the bosom of the Father, makes all things new in your life. He's restoring things. He's making them whole. You are completely reconciled with God. In that moment, you know, Daniel might have done something naughty, might have had a tiff or whatever, and him and mom aren't so cool. But by the time they get to that position, you can know that everything's all right with the world. He knows everything's all right with the world. Everything's going to be all right. It might not be all right, but I'm in the Father's arms. I'm in my parents' arms. And so this is where we're completely reconciled with God. It's how God is bringing the world back to Him. We are called to bring people to also be in Christ so that they can find their Father. The invitation tonight is to step into Christ. Or let Him step into you, if you like. Just picture But Jesus is standing here, and he's spirit, but he's saying, get completely into me, and everything that I have, you will have too. And so you step in, and now you are completely, every part of you is touched by his spirit. What kind of son or daughter does that make us? Well, here is where we are. The passage says we can endure anything, and I encourage you to go and read it again, the beginning of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. We can endure anything. We can exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can be persecuted or criticized, but at the end of it, the passage says, um, having nothing and yet possessing everything. You can have absolutely absolutely nothing in this world, but there in the Father's bosom, you have everything. This is our position with our Father. Listen to the good news proclaimed in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 1 to 6. Be careful not to do your act of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the street to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, your giving may be, sorry, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is, what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you.
If our first passage spoke of our position with the Father, our position of intimacy, which I must say could be a really hard picture to grasp, particularly if your relationship with your father or your mother was a difficult one. But this father is complete love. And if our first passage spoke to our position, this passage maybe speaks more to the actions that flow from being in that position and the reward that comes from being there. This is when you perform your acts of righteousness, when you give to those in need, when you pray. Let it not be for an audience that will lift your ego or my ego. Let it be for an audience of one. The passage says, this is Jesus speaking, saying, let it be for my Father and your Father. And he calls him Father each time because it's an intimate relationship he has. It's not in general terms. He relates personally to this Father. There's no need to perform for this Father. You don't need to achieve anything. He already loves you. only to make him the focus of your love and affection and action. Even when, flowing from that love, you are serving others, you are in prayer, you are giving, Um, let that be for your Father. Let that be a response to his love for you. His is the only opinion that really matters. What kind of father does that? What kind of daughter, what kind of son receives such love? The reading is Matthew 6, verse 16 to 21. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hear the word of the Lord. I got excited by the treasures. Oh, what are the treasures? What are the treasures I can get in heaven? How do I store up treasures in heaven? What do they look like? When I'm with my father, he's going to give me a big pile of treasure. Have you thought about that? What is this treasure? It says, store up treasures in heaven. What is heaven? We know heaven as the dwelling place of God, the place of God's presence, absolute and supreme and wonderful, never ending, always in the presence of God. My dad is, uh, died last year at the end of a struggle with cancer and I, I we remembered him this week been a year and 
When I think of him, I always think of him as in the presence of God. I don't really have a clear picture of what that is. But there's a joy in me that says, I know that you are experiencing always the presence of God. How does my daughter store up treasures with dad? How does Ruth or Nikki store up treasures with me or mum? I think the main ways that they do that is, is presence, is by being with us, is by wanting to be with us. It's presence. And it's also doing what we ask. If we say this is what we really would like you to do, and they do it, there's a level of joy and favour in the house because we're working together as a team. And I think maybe it's true also of our Heavenly Father. What kind of father... She says, don't store up these kind of treasures, but these ones. Rather than focus on these things that fall apart and the things of earth which are going to fade and you can't, as they say, put a, take a trailer on the hearse. Uh, you can't carry things with you when you go. Um, but we can store up treasures in heaven by intentionally daily walking with our God, seeking his presence. He loves that by doing his will. That's the kind of son or daughter he's looking for. One who primarily just wants to be in his presence more than all the crazy stuff out there and all the things that buy for our attention. Lent is an invitation to allow God to redefine how we see him as our father and to allow him to redefine how he sees us as his daughters and as his sons. Amen.